your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to what day is today, Brad? Wednesday. Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. Brad Williams in here is throwing headphones on. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Uh, we're going to talk about Governor Evers' visit here in a minute, Brad. I don't, I don't think you'll need those. That's I all don't right. think so. I'm just talking to you here. I, w- I want to say I'm bringing on Lee Donahue from the Town of Campbell's yes, board. Yes, she is Town- the, from the Town of Campbell board, and uh, she and the uh, Campbell board and many people on French Island very passionate about the PFAS issue, which is why the governor and the attorney general were on French Island today. Yeah, so she'll be joining me in a minute to kind of deep dive into the PFAS dilemma, uh, you know, through her eyes as a, as a board chairman, not board chairman, a, a board member there board in the town yes. of Campbell. And then after that, I'm going to talk to the EAA, the EAA Air Venture Fly-In is yeah, next Monday. Gosh. And Brad, my dad, is going on the honor flight through through Appleton next uh, at the end of two weeks from now, I guess. So right. we, we do the honor flights all the time here. My, my yeah. dad got hooked up, so he's pretty excited about that. So we'll talk to the EAA communications director here at the bottom half of the hour. Um, but, yeah, so you, you were out there. When you say a lot of people are affected, were a lot of people at the library today? Were there there were uh, quite a few people. Lee Donahue was there. Jill Billings was there and uh, a number of uh, county representatives as well. And uh, it was to find out what is happening uh, with the, the fight against the PFAS. Well, let's just do this. Uh, Evers, Josh Call today. Yes. Tammy Baldwin about a month ago, maybe uh, two months ago? A weeks ago, yeah. A couple of weeks ago? Like May. In May. Tammy Baldwin, state senator, was there. U.S. senator. U.S. senator, yeah, in of Wisconsin. And I feel like somebody else was, somebody else, a couple other people show up well, there? Well, yeah. This has been going on for months and months. And, yeah, uh, at, at least a year and a half they've been on bottled water. And Right. Um, anyone from the DNR show up there to have a big uh, old? <laughs> not that I recognized. No. no. But in the in the past we've had, I oh, mean, that's, yeah. that's... Oh, yeah, but this has been a, an ongoing effort and, and people want to know, can they, you know, can they get back to using a water system, whether it's their own wells or if they could hook up to a community system, that sort of thing. And that that's one of the other uh, things that I'm sure Lee would be uh, yeah, that's well, the- willing to talk about is whether that, let's say, if the town of Campbell could hook up to municipal water in La Crosse without having to commit to something else such as, let's say, annexation to La Crosse. Yeah, and then we'll talk to her about that. When, now, when, when Governor Evers and Attorney General Josh Gall... Are there? Do they offer those guys water? <laughs> no, no. The states, states already done. It. You know, government's already been doing that with the Culligan. And I mean, and that would have so. been the first thing I do. Here, would you like a glass of water, that Governor? Would have, yeah. That I'm not sure how well that would have gone over. Because it would have been, been funny. A nice gesture. It would have been, yeah. But obviously, you wouldn't have given him a glass of water. You've given given him a bottle of water because that's what they've been on for over that's a year, right. a, a big, year and a half. Big I jugs believe. of water, yes. Yeah, are they doing the big jugs? Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So, but the, and then the governor, I, I'm sure, like he heard, you know, some of the dilemma that that Campbell and and everywhere, a lot of other places yes, in Wisconsin. Mar- Marinette is another place but, in Wisconsin. But he came here to announce. He did this more he to announce this, that he did this here and then. Uh, then the governor and attorney general went to Green Bay. 
to right. do it because it's a statewide situation. They, they said it's a statewide situation. You got Town of Campbell, you got Marinette, you have other but places. Brad, what did they announce? A lawsuit. A lawsuit. A lawsuit against 18 companies that have uh, made or produced or sold PIFAs over the years. And that includes 3M. It includes... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyco Fire yeah, Products, BASF is what I BASF is the one I was trying to think of, but DuPont. and I always remember BASF is like my my cassette tapes. Right, like cameras and things like that. But, so I didn't uh, know my cassette. But, but PIFAs are used in many different types of products. You know, yeah. They always talk about nonstick cooking wares. Yeah, we do that, know? but a lot of uh, fast food wrappers have exactly. PIFAs in them. We yeah, don't so even they don't know this. greasy. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just, and then... I guess maybe the the idea here is these companies knew that PIFAs were harmful and That's, they did it anyway. That is what is being said: is that the uh, the companies took steps to protect their workers against these a long time ago, but they weren't telling the rest of the, the people who were using the the nonstick cookware and the burger wrappers and everything else that it could be affecting them. That if somehow it got into, let's say, firefighting foam, which is the cause that uh, has been determined for the uh, contamination on French Island, is that they didn't tell the users of PFAS that there could be a problem, that it could affect, it could cause cancer, it could affect cholesterol, it could affect all sorts of other things, have different uh, effects on the human body. And this, uh, the lawsuit they want is uh, aimed at uh, getting the, the uh, companies to pay up or do something about it or take some responsibility for having this substance that is now causing people problems. I literally uh, got some food with a ra- with, that would come in a wrapper today, yeah. kind of wondering, is it still got PFAS in it? And also Don't yesterday know. cooked uh, with a pan that is nonstick. So I'm like, did uh, did I use a PFAS pan? Hmm. Could be. Could be. All right. Thanks, Brad. All right. All right. We're going to take a break. I'm going to give Brad, you just run to the, stu- the, to the newsroom, Brad. Brad, a second here to run over to the, to the Wisdom newsroom to do the news. And when I, when we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Lee Donahue, one of the board members in the town of Campbell, uh, who was at the meeting today with, I, I guess, the press con- news conference meeting, whatever, with with Governor Tony Evers and and State Attorney General Josh Cole. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line. I I had intro music, it didn't go, Lee. So sorry, I just I'm bringing you on a cold a cold start. <laughs> no problem. That's Lee Donahue. She's a she's a town board member in Campbell on French Island. Visited uh, with Governor Evers and Josh Call today. How many people have you? I know Tammy Baldwin came. Jo- Josh Call and Evers obviously today. Have who other who else has visited to just kind of talk about the PFAS dilemma that you guys are going through for well over a year and a half now, I believe. Yeah. So of course. Uh... Ron Kind, who lives here on the island, and uh, other representatives like uh, Jill Billings and uh, Brad Paff and Steve Doyle, who are all in our region. And then uh, the candidates that are running, some of the candidates have stopped in and talked about PFAS, and, uh, and Senator Baldwin has probably reached out to us uh, the most, or we've been the most involved with, uh, with Senator Baldwin and Ron Kind's office. I know uh, that Joe Biden guy stopped, uh, you know, obviously he had to land there. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe they talked about PIFAs on the runway, but I don't, I'm not, sh- I'm not certain. 
Yeah, I believe that uh, the president did talk about PFAS. Unfortunately, uh, even though he landed uh, at the runway, the the town members of Campbell didn't get a chance to see him. But uh, that's okay. All right. So the, the the we had a conversation earlier today to just kind of navigate some of the dilemmas because we, we, we have, you know, like 12 minutes here. So it's not going to be able to we're not going to be able to cover everything. But I think the biggest thing is, is um, if you guys want to solve this issue, just go hook up with Lacrosse's city water and then you'd be good to go. How, how come it's not that easy? Well, there are a number of reasons why it's not that easy. Uh, the first thing is that the town of Campbell and the city of La Crosse have a water agreement that was basically put in place about 20 years ago. It was in response to a different type of contamination that was found in some residential households that live over on the Comus off of the Clinton Street uh, Bridge. And at that time, some of the residents chose to annex to the city of La Crosse so that they could get La Crosse water. And that water agreement that's 20 years old and out of date uh, right now is prohibiting us from moving forward with a new water plan. So Campbell is looking at uh, what options there may be. Uh, we know that uh, La Crosse, the city of La Crosse's three wells that were out here on the island were contaminated with uh, PFAS. So we definitely don't want to hook up to somebody who's got the same problem that we do. Right. But we do need to renegotiate that water agreement to give us options to pursue what's going to be best for the town and what's going to be best for our residents. Because from what I understand, that water agreement means that you can't go hook up with, for example, on Alaska's water or come up with your own solution to maybe some kind of water filtration on, by your, on your own? That is correct. Okay, so that's the dilemma. And where where are we on that? I think you said something to me earlier that you sent a proposal to the city in March? That is correct. March, April, May, June, July. So four, three, four months ago? Or a year that, no, three, four months ago? Yep, you got it. Which one? Is it a year? Or? Four months. It oh, was four March. Months. It was okay. March of this year, March of 2022. Okay, because you guys have been dealing this with this for well over a year and a half, I believe. Yes, we were first notified that there was a potential of contamination in our water on, uh, I believe it was October 7th of 2020. I know for a fact it was October of 2020. I might not have the exact right day. Yeah, and then it was, was it five months later they said, okay, you got to use bottled water? Well, oh. yeah, what happened was uh, initially the city said there's only one small neighborhood that might be affected that's due south. But what we recognize, town uh, residents recognize, is that there's probably more than just one location that was affected. And so residents uh, reached into their pocket and popped $500 per test. And once we found that there was PFAS contamination on many areas outside of that small community, outside that small neighborhood just due south of the airport, we went back to the DNR and we said, you've got to do more testing. And at that time, last spring, is when the DNR went to the DHS and said, we think that a health advisory needs to be announced for all of Campbell. And uh, that is that provision, that health advisory from the State Department of Health, is uh, how we are getting water paid for. Uh, I will, so that we have an alternative until our long-term solution is established. I'll do it to you, Lee, uh, because because French Island's obviously an island surrounded by water. 
uh, the water underneath the island's pretty fluid, which means the <laughs> which means the PFAS swirl around. And so, like, you could test one day and have pretty low levels, and you could test a month later and have pretty high levels, right? Yeah, it really changes according to the elevations of the rivers that hug us, depending upon whether the ground is frozen, the season of the year, the ground table, uh, the water table, anywhere you live. But especially if you live on an island where you're hugged by two rivers, there's a lot more variability in that water table than if you live in a big city, say, like Eau Claire. So the first, the first step for, all, for a solution would be like getting the city to approve your proposal? Absolutely. We need an approved, agreed-to water agreement. So one that uh, will be uh, helpful for the town of Campbell and one that uh, the city of La Crosse doesn't disagree with. I tend to believe that the mayor wants us to be able to explore our water options and should not be a barrier to us exploring and engaging whatever our safe long-term water solution is going to be. Would this be, I'll give you a bad sports analogy, you're Aaron Rodgers, and lacrosse is the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to play for the Packers anymore. He wants to be released from his contract so that he can explore his options, perhaps go play for a different team, or resign with the Packers under a new contract because he's getting up there. Not that you're getting up there, but... Um, is that kind of where we're at? You you want to be released from the, well, like you said, the 20-year-old, whatever, a couple of people. So a couple of people have a, a bad deal with the City of the Cross that's kind of affected the rest of the of, of Campbell, huh? That's really it, yeah. The, the water agreement is really outdated. I mean, 20 years from now, what will life look like for the City of La Crosse? What will life look like for Campbell or Bryce Prairie or Town of Holland? None of us knows what the future is going to hold. But as time goes by, you know, things aren't static. They change, and it's time to change that water agreement that's seriously outdated. We're speaking with Lee Donahue. She's a board member in the town of Campbell. Governor Tony Evers and Josh Call visited the island today. They announced a lawsuit for 18 companies that, you know, kind of contribute to the PFAS dilemma uh, I think some of those companies probably make firefighting foam and knew it was going to get into the groundwater and be harmful. I think that's why that's part of the reason for the lawsuit. Um, okay, so you, let's say the city approves this thing. You have options. Is, is one of those options just to suck the PFAS out of the ground? And how long would that take if it's even possible? I wish it was that easy. No, there's something that's called pump and dump. It's something that's been tried in other areas around the country. And basically what you do is you try to pump all of the water out of the ground, out of the ground water table in the region, and then put it through a filtration system and then return it back to the ground. And I can tell you that uh, the research that I've looked at says that to be effective, it may take upwards of 50 years. We don't have 50 years. Also, We need to fix this now. I'm so like, pump and dump is not an option. I'm like shaking my head already. I'm like, what are we going to do? Stop the Mississippi River from flowing for a while so that we can, you know, because the water never stops. So No, it doesn't. But the water in the Mississippi is not necessarily contaminated in the area uh especially in the north part of the Campbell area, and, and typically even on French Island. DNR has done testing uh, on the Mississippi River and yeah. the water for PFAS, what? and the PFAS that they found is located mostly near Isle La Plume, so south of Pool 8. Oh, that's my next conversation here, Lee. But what I'm saying is if you suck the water out of the town of Campbell underneath you, wouldn't it just get filled up by the water flowing from the rivers? 
Like it would just replace the water. You would never, you'd have to put like, I don't know, barricades up to, to keep the water from flowing into the empty canals that you're underneath you. Yeah, that's a scientific question that I am not equipped <laughs> me, to answer. Me either. Okay, so this other thing too, I was, I, I, you know, we got about, we got a couple minutes here. This is the thing I want to, I want to bring up though, because there's, and there's so many, but the, you can't use your water, but you're, you know, you're using your faucets for some stuff. A quick shower. You said you told me earlier you guys are taking quick showers, but that water is is going down the drain. Where's that water going? And are we doing anything about that? Because I, you know, I'll, well, I'll let you spill the beans. Sure. So all of the water here in the town of Campbell, we are hooked up to the sewer system. Sewer feeds into the wastewater treatment plant, and the wastewater treatment plant is run by the city. And to my knowledge, there is not a filtration system so that the water that comes in, which we'll call influent, is not treated before it goes out into the river, and that water is called effluent. Okay, so we're we're just pumping the water out to the river. We're pumping PFAS out into the river. I would ask the question of the mayor of what the status is for filtration at the wastewater treatment plant, but I haven't seen anything about that on the news. All right, and then you know, and, and let's just get to the like in in households here on the on the island. I don't know if you have young kids, but this this the whole di- the other dilemma here is you've been on bottled water. Y'all have faucets, but you, can you explain to me how hard it is not to use your faucet? Well, I tell you what, you really train yourself. The hardest part is for fa- people that have young families. My kids are grown, but I talk to families all the time that have little kids, two, three, four, five, ten years old, and all of a sudden, two years ago, you have to tell kids that that water faucet you drink out of all the time and that hose that you drink out of in the backyard when you just pick that tomato off the bush uh, and used it to rinse it off, you can't do that anymore. So how do you explain to kids that one day your water is safe, you think it's safe, and the next day your water is toxic? That's a very difficult conversation to have with a small child, and it's very difficult to teach, especially toddlers, not to splash in the water, not to put their hands in the water, in the sprinkler, in the hose, and then stick that in their mouth. Yeah, my favorite thing, still, kind of, drink it out of the garden hose. I still I still do that. Um, and then... Like what? Okay, and then real quick, washing off vegetables, and then something. How about using wa- that water to grow vegetables, and then using water to cook? Can you do any of that out of the faucet? No. Okay, no. Okay, flat out no. Um, all right. Any timeline and and when this maybe would possibly be resolved? Well, we need to have the water agreement first. Everything precipitates on the water agreement. We need to have a water agreement that allows us the opportunity to explore what the best long-term solution is for Campbell, for the City of La Crosse to support our efforts for our own long-term solution. And then we are relying upon federal funding to help pay for a new system. But anything that we do that we've got to rip up roads and lay pipe is going to cost millions of dollars. Yeah, definitely. All right, you have uh, 20 seconds to get to your meeting at 530. (laughs) Thanks, Lee. Thanks so much. All right. That was Lee Donahue. She's a board board member there in the town of Campbell, obviously going through a PFAS dilemma for well over a year and a half now. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. From the water to the air, we were just talking about PFAS water, Dick. So uh, forgive me. Now we're, we're, we're switching it up here with the listeners on Lacrosse Talk PM. Dick Kapinski is the communications director for the EAA. 
and uh, the AAA runs Air Adventure. So the air show is what I call it. Are we going to the air show, Mom? That's all I ever did every July. We going? We went from the car show to Iola to the air show at the end of July. Um, this is the 69th year of the air show, Dick, and, and the U.S. Air Force's 75th anniversary. How, how are you today? I'm doing great. You know, it's a great day to talk about aviation, talk about flying, and we're looking forward to starting EAA Adventure Oshkosh next Monday. Are these like the hardest days because you're planning, 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 and then oh, great, the radio guy's got to. I got to talk to the radio guy. I don't have time for this because you're you're so mixed up and everything else. Well, there's a lot going on. You know, it's one of those things. You're 90 percent ready and 90 percent to go. It feels you know, and it's just a million little details that you're trying to take care of in the final four or five days before opening day. But you know, when you've got 600,000 of your closest friends and about 10,000 airplanes showing up to the Fox Valley over here on the eastern side of the state, uh, you got to be ready for them. And uh, we're going to be ready for them next Monday. Yeah, and you just told me right before the show, nine air shows in seven days, and two of those are night air shows. And I'll just say. Air Venture, the EA fly-in is what I like to call it. It, it. it begins Monday right away, bright and early, I think 7 a.m., and it runs through Sunday, and it's out in Oshkosh at the at the airport, right? It's just at the airport? Yep, at Whitman Regional Airport. Um, it's been the home of EAA Air Venture ever since 1970, and you talk to any pilot any place around the world, just say the word Oshkosh. They know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, so we had an air show here last year, and I don't think we're getting another one for three years because when – uh, the the way air shows work in these smallerish towns, I guess Oshkosh kind of same size town. But um, when we do air shows like this, is the the Blue Angels or the Thunderbirds come, and then we can have an air show because they attract the people to come check it out. And I think we had that that trillion dollar jet, the F thirty five. Is that it? Uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's here as well, and it's going to be at Oshkosh this year as well. Uh, both the Air Force and the Navy versions will be making an appearance during the week. Okay, so why is why is the air show that you guys, obviously it's seven days long, uh, seven days, nine air shows in seven days. Why is it so different? Like, why? how did this thing get so big is my question. <laughs> yeah, well, it really started out as the gathering of EAA, the Experimental Aircraft Association, which back in the 1950s started as an association of people who built and restored their own airplanes. And they had their first fly-in event, and that's really the big difference. Uh, when you go to a local air show, and there are wonderful air shows all the, all the way through the country, including there at La Crosse, an airport I've landed an airplane at, and it's a beautiful airport there on the river, and it's something you really enjoy. But this is truly a convention, and the air show is just one little sliver of everything that goes on here, from a 1,000 workshops and seminars to 800 exhibitors to more than 10,000 airplanes that come to the area specifically to gather for this event. So this is as much as about looking up as it is about being stuff on the ground. It is. You know, when you, you have, um, you know, people come here for the latest technology, it is really, you know, pilot heaven, pilot geekdom, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, as they come out here, they're looking to meet their pilot friends. They are looking to see the latest technology, what's new out there. Uh, we have exhibitors all the way, someplace you can buy nuts and bolts, uh, to a whole new airplane. I often tell people you can buy an airplane T-shirt, go next door, buy the airplane to match the T-shirt if you like. So all of those things take place here over the course of the seven days. But mostly it is a gathering of everything that flies. If it has flown, is flying, or will fly, it's going to show up in Oshkosh sometime. I don't know how long you've been with the EAA, but what, what would you say is the weirdest thing you've seen fly? 
Oh, my. I mean, there have been a lot of them fly through the years. I mean, I've seen a Jetman back in 2013, which was a gentleman from Switzerland who basically strapped on a pair of wings with four small jet engines on it and uh, jumped out of an airplane, turned on the jet engines, and went soaring around at about 1,000 feet. That was um, a little bit unusual. Okay, like the uh, Rocketeer, you know, you I suppose. Those type of things. Um, you, you see a flying car, uh, a car that drives onto the runway, pops the wings out, and then goes flying. Okay, that was the Terra Fusion. That's been here, too. Uh, you, you see those type of things. So you see the new urban air mobility, uh, a thing called the opener, which looks like an egg with wings on both ends of it, and uses electric motors. And that is new technology coming along. So all of these things, that's kind of the Jetsons type thing. You'll see some of that at Oshkosh, too. Yeah, I was going to say, you might be a good guy to know, when are we going to just be flying cars or have, like, electric airplanes, like EV airplanes, like we're doing with cars now? Well, that's actually closer than you think. You're going to see some of those at AirVenture this year. Uh, there's one called an Amp Air, which is a hybrid, has one engine on the back that runs on fuel, one in the front that runs on electricity and a big battery pack. So those type of technologies are coming. They're much closer than a lot of people think. Uh, now that the battery technology is getting better, we're seeing more and more of that. And a lot of companies taking a look, not only electricity, at hydrogen and other ways to power it that does not require fossil fuels. We're speaking with Dick Nupinski. Sorry, uh, he's the comms director there at the EAA, and uh, the Air Adventure fly-in happens this Monday right away, bright and early, seven a.m. Monday. Runs through Sunday there out in the airport in Oshkosh. Um, growing up, I've always gone to this thing. I remember like the the Harrier jet. I, I apparently I remember airplanes or jets that took off to without a runway. So the Harrier and the Fairchild. I remember. And I remember seeing the stealth bomber fly by, and that was maybe the coolest one to see fly by. And then just the giant, you know, like all the giant old school army army jets, whatever army planes. Um, t- what are the top three things maybe that we could see this year in the air? In the air, Dick. Well, in the air, I, I think some of the great things are one of my favorites are called the heritage flights. We'll take a jet like the F thirty five, the brand new fighter jet that uh, all parts of the uh, U.S. military are using, and we'll match them up with World War II airplanes, and they'll be flying in formation going across. That'll be part of the air show. Absolutely have to see the night air show. If you've never seen a night air show, I always equate it to when you were a kid and took a sparkler and wrote your name across the sky to watch the light trail. Imagine doing that with an airplane. Yeah, what night? That would give you. What nights are the night air shows? Well, the night air show, uh, they start. we start about 8 o'clock in the evening and then go until the sun's completely gone. And you'll see airplanes with pyrotechnics on the wingtips and under the belly, and they'll be making that arc through the sky. You'll see the light trail through the sky. You'll see that in formation flying. You'll see it in solo flight and so forth. Really wonderful to watch. And then we finish up with a big fireworks display at the end of about 15 to 20 minutes. A lot of fun. And we do it a couple times just to celebrate the world of flight. Are those the weekend ones? Or is it like Friday and Saturday night? It's uh, Wednesday the 27th and also on Saturday the 30th. Okay, there we go. Um, and then how about like top three things that we can – so the difference here between the air show and lacrosse last year – a big difference, especially last year, because we did a little bit different because of COVID. It was like just a drive-in and look-up show. Um, you can you can walk through a lot of this stuff. Like you, you talked about the exhibits, but what are some of the cooler things that people might be able to walk through there out in Oshkosh? Well, you come here, and for instance, uh, the Air Force bringing a C-17 transport airplane. That on the ground, you can enter that huge cargo airplane on one end, walk out the other end. Uh, you, some airliners come in here, people from Delta, United, so forth. Many of them put their airliners 
on display, some of the new things coming. For instance, Delta bringing the Team USA jet that flew the Olympic team to Japan last year. That will be here. NASA is here talking about some of the new things coming up in space. Where's space travel going in the future? You can find out at the NASA Pavilion. Great place to, if you're a science geek or if the kids want to talk about space, great place to bring them too. And and there's probably plenty of things to eat too, right? <laughs> oh, there are. You know, we've got more than 25 concession stands on the grounds, some of them national names like Chick-fil-A and Dunkin' Donuts, and some more local as well. So it's always interesting. People come from around the country, and they line up and get brats and cheese curds and sundaes and milkshakes and everything else. All right, so I got some of the highlights listed here. Expecting uh, 10,000 planes um, and then 50 air show performers. Anything else that's just like really... Like, numbers-wise, this is the scope of this thing? Well, you have people from more than 80 countries that attend this each year. From the world over, they come in. And we're getting the international visitors back this year after uh, 2020 not having the show and a lot of restrictions in 21. So they are coming back. So it is a worldwide event. Uh, You're going to see, as we mentioned, nine air shows in seven days. You're going to see more than out of those 10,000 airplanes coming to the region, Almost 3,000 of them are what we call show planes. They might be vintage biplanes or former military aircraft from World War II or home-built airplanes made from a kit and so forth. All of those airplanes are here. Uh, We have things that if you want to learn to fly, we can hook you up with a flight instructor in your home area. We can give you a quick flight lesson on a flight simulator, all of that, and plenty of things for the kids to do, too. 18 and under, absolutely free, thanks to our friends at Boeing. So bring the family out and enjoy a day in what we like to call the world's greatest aviation celebration. All right, that's Dick Napitsky, the director at, the comms director at the EAA. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just going to wrap up here for a couple minutes. Going to go off on a tangent, a little bit of a tangent, uh, just unrelated, uh, more funny than serious, because, eh, got to ease up a little bit, right? I saw this story. I saw it everywhere, you know, and, and people are making fun of it. But uh, BMW is offering a nice little addition to some of their cars. I've seen different prices for this, but apparently they're going to offer this benefit for you if you buy a new BMW. An $18 a month, for $18 a month, you can turn on your heated seats. <laughs> the cars already have heated seats in them. But you're going to have to pay a subscription fee to turn them on, I guess. I could have this wrong. I've, I've read a different reports. One was like if people buy new cars with heated seats already enabled, there won't be a fee. And I was like, well, who's buying a car and who's buying a BMW and installing? How does that work? Installing seated heats? Seated heats. Heated seats? Uh, one story said that heated coils and other hardware required to actually heat the seats are already in the car, but owners can, if they wish, pay a monthly fee to BMW, which will allow them to actually work. (laughs) The benefit would be lower upfront price for the car and potentially the ability only to pay for the feature when it might be needed, like in the winter. Also, second and third owners would be able to pay or not for the feature they don't want. I could also just have uh, my heated seats and I can not turn them on if I want. I mean, I think uh, anyone who's got, man, my car that was a 2006 had heated seats in it. Can't imagine having to pay a subscription fee 
to have them actually work. They worked the whole time. I put almost 300,000 miles on that car. Uh, car now has heated seats. I don't use them often. I, You know what? I, I turn them on accidentally in the summer, and I'm like, man, I am really warm. And then I'm like, oh, I hit that heated seat button because the button's just right in the right spot where you hit it if you hit some other buttons. Anyone who's called the show and I've hung up uh, hung up on them knows what I'm saying. But uh, where does this lead? Like the, these uh, car companies need the way need better ways to get money out of us, right? We're seeing other companies do this. Uh, you know, even TV subscription places, right? Like you want to watch without commercials. You want to watch with less commercials. Here's a fee. This is a fee. No commercials. A bigger fee. Uh, now, now a lot of these places are not of these TV. You know, watching subscription places are, you know, like you're going to have to watch commercials no matter what. Uh, but what about in the car? Like, kind of already see this with maps. I have maps in my car, but I haven't updated them five years. So I kind of have a subscription fee to get the updated map. Chipotle definitely isn't on my car map right now. Chipotle and Lacrosse or Chick-fil-A, right? Chick-fil-A is coming. Uh, but what else can we remote start? That w- that seems like a likely one for me. If I'm gonna, if BMW is gonna to to keep doing this, I just I wouldn't buy a BMW. I wouldn't buy one anyway because my dad would yell at me for buying a foreign car. But I wouldn't buy one. In, buy I wouldn't buy anything BMW now if they're gonna do something kind of this ludicrous, like a, a subscription fee to turn on your heated seats. And I love that this article said it's, it's a cost saving. Eh, it'd be less cost up front. Yeah, because I'm not paying the $18 a month you're going to charge me. The cost would be my butt's cold in the winter. This would cost in Wisconsin, I think, about $108 a year. Because we. you think, ah, January, February, March, right? December, January, February, I should say. I know, through March in there. I, I jumped the gun there. December, January, February. I only need heated seats for three months. Eh, do you? Probably need it in October for half the month. November probably need need it for November half the time, or in the morning and right in the morning you're going to need it. Definitely December, definitely January, definitely February. I would say definitely March. And there's like four days in April where it snows, so you're going to need heated seats for those days. And it's a subscription, a monthly fee, so you're going to have to pay for the whole month or just you know bring a blanket and put on your seat. <laughs> but what else? Uh, like like I said, what else could it be? Car ability to put your back seats down, uh, ability to use your trunk. I mean, it could, it could get ridiculous. Ability to turn your Bluetooth on in your car. Could you see that one? Oh, I use the Bluetooth to talk on the phone a lot in my car. Do a lot of pre-gaming for the show. Hey, are you ready to come on tonight? I'm doing that driving. Do it on my Bluetooth through the phone. Subscri- subscription fee for that, man. That's a that's one I use quite a bit. Would I would I be willing? Subscription subscription fee for remote start. That's another one I would probably have to think about. Remote start. I guess I could do without remote start. I mean, that goes right along the lines with heated seats, right? Like you remote start your car for it to warm up. In fact, you remote start your car for it to warm up and then also have the subscription for the heated seats. You're going to have to have double subscriptions. Maybe we can bundle. Can I do a bundle? I'll pay BMW. I'll pay for the remote start. I'll pay for the heated seats, $18 for that, $18 for that, $18 for the Bluetooth. Uh, so that's about, what, $54? Uh, a little bundle discount, kind of like your cable, internet, and phone. A little bundle discount will knock 4 bucks off, $50 for all three features. I just see it. That's where car. That's apparently where car companies are going to go. 
Uh, another thing that was interesting, not about this article, but other things I see with car companies, Ford EVs, electronic vehicles, it sounds like they're doing this. They're getting rid of car lots altogether. So this is a whole other show I want to do at some point down the road. I just thought this electric or, uh, heated seat thing was was kind of funny. I go off on a tangent about it. But, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of changes possibly with with car companies and you know, Ford Ford EVs says they're they're going to do away with lots. We see some car sales companies doing this. I can't name it off the top of my head, but it's it's like outside Chicago, you'll see this big tower, and it's uh, that's you, you just they have the cars there and they ship them out. Um, I just don't know how that would work. So whole other show, whole other tangent. Anyway, that's all the time I have for today. Thanks everybody for listening. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper, host of the podcast Around River City. I've got an invitation for you to listen in to my conversations with the people that make it so cool to live in and around River City. Subscribe at AroundRiverCity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts.